don't need to sign up for anything. You don't need to pay for anything. But um, I'd love it if you came uh, Wednesday nights in the month of June. And so we're just going to, well, I've got two guest speakers. Um, so you don't get me, you don't get me all five times. Everyone say thank God, right? No? <laughs> but, uh, but it'll be good. So we have uh, five Wednesdays in the month of June just uh, um, really going deep and, and some deep foundational principles and tools to walk out this uh, spirit-empowered life. By the way, that's what the message is about today and, and the series this summer is about being spirit-empowered. And so I'm excited about that because um, that's really the DNA of our church here. And I, um, before we get into it, I, just, I also just wanted to, to uh, Mama, would you stand up and this, if, for those of you who don't know, this is my mom, Pam Lombard. <laughs> Sounds like some people know who you are, but uh, uh, mom and dad are missionaries in, uh, in the country of Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, she, uh, she came in not to see me, I found out, but, but, I, but we get to hang out even though she didn't come to specifically see me. My sister just gave birth to a baby boy, and so she came in as grandma. So, but many of you support uh, my parents, and so I just thought it'd be good to. So, if you if you have a chance, just walk over and give her a hug and all that good stuff. So, all right, what? And say say you're sorry. Thanks a lot. No, you, you guys are terrible. You guys are terrible. Spirit empowered life is what we're going to be talking about. Um, the the series. Uh, uh, in this is really about um, the book of Acts. And we're going to pick a few different places in the book of Acts over the course of the summer. And we're, and we're going to see um, how the Holy Spirit empowered um, individuals, believers, to walk out what we call normal Christianity. That, uh, that we, we can't do this thing without power. And if we're going to start out today, this would be kind of the intro message to, uh, to this whole deal. We're going to start in Acts, in Acts 1. And I think there's some incredible principles for us to learn just in the first book of Acts, or the first chapter of the, of the book of Acts. Here's the thought. It's the series thought for, the, for these next few weeks, but it's also the thought for this message, because this is kind of the foundational intro message. Here's the thought. And it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's... How do, I, how do I put it? I just say it like it is here, okay? So you get to just chew on it and decide what you want. Here, here it is. God's assignment for my life will never be fully completed if I'm not empowered by the Holy Spirit. We'll just let that sink for a second. That's not to condemn anybody. It's not to shoot it at anybody. But I truly believe that there is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that's available that many walk in and you will never fully complete your assignment, your God-given assignment, whether that's in your family or whether that's uh, in the community or, or how, wherever that assignment is, uh, big or small, it'll never be fully completed and realized outside of power. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about in this series. Um, here's the, a couple verses for you to uh, chew on over the course of this series. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them to not uh, depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, uh, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Luke 24, and what you, what you find here, Luke 
is, uh, is the guy that also wrote um, Acts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then Acts is kind of part two of, of, the, um, of the Gospel of Luke. So you, got, you could really say Luke, Luke 1 and Luke 2. And, and so it, Acts picks up where Luke left off, and right here at the last part of, of Luke, in Luke 24, verse 49, this same thought is, uh, is written down. He said this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so there is this same thought. Jesus, I, I like the way he put it in, in Acts 1, 4, and 5, because Jesus commanded them to stay. It wasn't like a suggestion Hey, if you'd like to stay and wait for something, there's a really cool thing coming, but whatever, you guys, you guys decide. It wasn't that way. Jesus, in his, some of his last remarks before he ascended into heaven, was a command, it was a directive, it was an order to his followers, to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem, do not leave, this is non-negotiable, stay here until you receive power from on high. And so I want to talk about a few things about this um, that I believe is foundational, not only for the whole book of Acts, hence Acts chapter 1, but for our life and if you want to live a spirit-empowered life. First of all, um, the first thing is the command. It just was really interesting, the command to wait. Jesus commanded them. Again, not a suggestion. And they heard this command. Jesus said it. Um, it, It... as I was meditating on this whole series, and specifically this chapter, I couldn't get past Jesus' command to wait. They were given authority in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. Uh, they were given authority to go out. Um, and, but before they could go out, they were commanded to wait. It's this, it's this whole thing on authority that um, they were given authority, but they were also under authority. They were given authority to operate in their assignment, but they were also under authority. You know that uh, godly authority can't function apart from connection with God. Godly authority, in fact, um, this is a good way to to put it, that if you want to lose your authority, go ahead and and sever your relationship with the Lord. Go ahead and, and have a disconnect there. Because God, godly authority, spiritual authority, uh, it can only happen out of intimacy and relationship with God. And they knew this. They, they knew this. They had a connection with Jesus, a deep relationship with Jesus. And not only were, were they given authority, but they were also under authority. And so when he said, com- uh, he gave them the command to wait, this was a non-negotiable, and they knew it. And it wasn't out of, a, uh, out of like some dictatorship or anything. It came out of this relationship. It was a command. Power is a gift. It's, it's not earned. It, it's, it's, uh, um, it's irrevocable. Power is a gift. Authority is much different. Authority is that thing that, that, that we receive out of relationship with him. And it grows out of relationship. Uh, authority um, isn't the gift. Power is the gift. That's why um, when Satan fell from heaven, he lost his authority, but he still had power. Because power was a gift. It wasn't based on any type of, uh, of you know, earning it and criteria. It was, it, was, it was a gift. He received that. But he lost relationship. He fell out of fellowship. And so the authority that he walked in was severed. Isn't that interesting? 
there's an aspect of our identity that's called to rule. You know that authority rules. There's an aspect of who you were called to be just as a Christian, just as a member of the body of Christ that, that's called to rule, that's called to walk in authority. We're a part of the kingdom of God. I, I like how it's put, the king's domain. That's really what the kingdom is, the king's domain. His, his, uh, the, the realm that the king rules in, the realm that the king governs in. And we talk about the kingdom of God. We're talking about his government, his rule, his reign. We're talking about the domain that the king governs. And so in that kingdom, we are given godly authority to rule. We're part of that kingdom. It's a, um, for, and to bring this, this down to earth and someone say, authority, what's this whole thing mean? Let me, the simplest expression in your life that you're called to rule is your own self, your own thought life. Joyce Meyer called it the battlefield of the mind. Anyone know who Joyce Meyer is? She called it the battlefield of the mind. There's a, the, the simplest expression. In fact, the, the, here's, here's one way. The, the scripture, the Bible puts it this way. Take every thought captive. Right? He said, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, take authority, rule that realm which you were given authority, that, that, that spiritual real estate that you have called your mind. He says, take authority over that. You get the opportunity now to rule that. I've given you authority. At the, at the simplest level of authority, you've got the, the opportunity and the assignment to rule your thought life, to, to take captive your own thoughts. And, and it goes on from there because then you've got your assignment in the kingdom, you've got your family, you've got your home, you've got your workplace, you've got your, your commission. And so, so authority goes out from there. But you say, well, I don't know about this whole thing of authority. I'm not like a pastor. I don't have a, a, you know, a card in my wallet that says I can marry him and bury him. You know, I don't have any of, any end of that type of stuff. And, and, and I would say this to you, at the simplest level, you're called to rule your mind. And it's going to expand from there out of relationship with the Lord. You're going to start to find that he expands your tent stakes. And all of a sudden you start to find that there's, that there's spiritual real estate in your home that you can govern. That there's spiritual real estate in your sphere of influence that you can govern. There's, you know, and we're not, we're not talking about an earthly governing and an earthly authority. We're not, we're not saying that now all of a sudden you're the boss of all the people in your life. I, I uh, tried that with my wife once. I said, I'm the boss. I'm the boss of you, right? That didn't, that didn't go over well. In fact, I remember, I remember talking with my uncle in premarital counseling because he was the one that married us. And, and I said, so when, like when, and I was serious, actually. <laughs> I was serious about this. I said, so when do I get to, like, put my foot down and say, woman, right? When do I? He's like, well, you can. Just let me know how that works out for you. So we're talking, we're talking spiritual authority here. We're talking, you know, and, and from that place of spiritual authority, he often um, grants favor where you have favor with men and favor with God and, and your, your influence grows and all that type of stuff. And, and there's, there's um, physical, um, a, a physical reality of authority. But we're talking spiritual authority right here. Power is a gift. It's not earned. Authority is contingent on relationship. So what kingdom is operating in your life? And in your home right now? What kingdom is operating in your workplace? You were called to govern, to enforce the government of heaven 
in your sphere. That's your, that's your calling. You are called to enforce the government of heaven in your sphere. I love that. Authority comes in the commission, in the assignment. It flows out of and grows in relationship with God. The more you cultivate your relationship with him, the more your authority grows. So it's a, that's a good um, uh, exhortation for us to say, okay, let's get our love on. Let's just love him. Let's grow in love with him. You want authority? Grow in intimacy with the Lord. You're power hungry, right? Just fall in love with him. He'll give you more authority. I guess you'll, you'll, you'll start to understand that there's some good, you need to have some good motives to, to walk in. But there's, it's, a, it's an incredible place. You start to see this here even in Acts 1. As Jesus commanded them to wait, they realize we're under authority still. You and I are commissioned by the Lord. We are co-missioned with the Lord. That this isn't our mission, it's his mission, and we are co-missioned. We, we come, the, our authority flows from this commission that he gave us. That's, that's where authority flows from, and it grows in relationship. It, it, it's, it's so cool. I love this. Jesus brought the disciples under the umbrella of his own mission and his own encounter with the Holy Spirit pre-cross. Watch this. Luke chapter 3, before the cross, Luke chapter 3. Verse 20, 21 and 22, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, they were parted, they were rended, were rended, rendered, rended, rent, thanks. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, you, I am well pleased. You see an encounter and you see a commissioning of identity and assignment on Jesus' life. Luke 4, verse 1, right after this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus had a commission and an encounter. Jesus had his assignment, his authority, and he also was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he had both of them. And somehow, we don't know exactly how, but Jesus brought his disciples into his own experience with Holy Spirit and under his own authority. While he was here on earth, they came underneath this. And, and, and you, you see this like in Luke chapter 9 when, when Jesus sent them out with what? Power and authority. There's no recorded place in Scripture that we know of, and you could search it yourself, where the, Holy, where the disciples had a significant encounter with Holy Spirit. There, there's no recorded places where the disciples uh, had, their, had like, you know, the, the outpouring. The, the, the first place is Acts 2. The first place is when we get to Acts 2 in a couple weeks is when the, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And so somehow... Somehow, Jesus was able to pull them in to his commission and under his realm of authority and under his experience and encounter with Holy Spirit, and they functioned out of that. And how do we know this? We know this is because before he left, right here in Acts 1, as he was ascending, before he left, he told them that in essence, they, now they had to have their own encounter with Holy Spirit and receive power. 
as he left, it was almost as if what they had was temporary. What they had, they could function under while he was on earth, while Jesus was with them. They could function under this authority and they could function with this power. But when he left, he said, wait. I command you to wait. Wait in Jerusalem until. It was Jesus knew that what they had wouldn't last until they were filled with power from on high. That's how we find this out. That's how we, we know this. What they had was temporary, and it flowed out of connection with Jesus, but he was leaving them. This is why he commanded them to wait. For three and a half years, they operated under his mantle. But when he died and resurrected, he gave them specific instructions. You see the first part of the instructions in Matthew 28. And Jesus came to them. This is the famous Great Commission all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is where they were commissioned with authority. This is that place. And they were given their assignment. And then the second part of the instructions was wait You've got your assignment. I've given you authority. Now wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. I've never really liked waiting. I've never been good at that. Not my spiritual gift. I've been waiting for somebody, waiting, for somebody to come lay hands on me and impart the spiritual gift of waiting. Hasn't happened yet. You ask my wife, and I get a, a, a thought or an idea or a desire, and, and she's like, you get this tunnel vision, Jonathan, and you just go after it until you get it. And, and, and you just, right? I, I don't have this, you know. Right? I, I, I'll give you just some free advice. Don't, don't pray for patience. Right? Because if you pray for patience, he gives you something to be patient about, right? Obviously, that's tongue-in-cheek. My goodness, the, the whole waiting thing has always been hard for me. Wait. And so Jesus commands them to wait. And this command, it just, it stood out to me as I was reading Acts 1. That he would give them a very clear directive, don't leave. Part 2. The meantime. So there's this, there's this space in between the command to wait, and the promise. There was a promise. He says that you will receive power, that you will receive this gift from the Father. There was a, a promise, and then there was the meantime. There was, it, it was days. It probably wasn't months. It probably wasn't years. It was probably days. It could have been a few weeks. It could have been a, a month or two. We don't, we don't know exactly how long, but it was days. It was days. And I'll tell you what, even if it's days, I get the promise and three or four days later I'm checking Amazon to see if it's come yet. I'm checking the tracking the, right, you know. You're, 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 you're tracking it. You're looking for, has the package arrived? You're, or my, my daughter, uh, Kaylee, I mean, she just, when she knows, she counts down for her birthday. Her birthday is June 2nd, and she counts down from June 3rd all the way until her birthday. Is it my birthday yet? Is it my birthday yet? What do you, do I get presents? She, it, she, it, she probably got that, that spiritual gift from me, right? Wait. Wait for it. And in the meantime, 
in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, what happens. It's in the desert or the wilderness times when you don't sense power, when you're not sensing God's presence, when it seems like he's left even though he hasn't. When you struggle to hear his voice in the meantime, in the place when it seemed like he's gone. That's what the disciples felt. Their best friend just ascended into heaven. He just left them. And it wasn't an immediate transaction of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. For whatever reason, it wasn't immediate. And he left. Have you ever felt like he's gone? You felt like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? You felt like, like you're all alone? Like this, this Christian life that you were called to live and and maybe you've even been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've even had encounters. And for some reason, there's a season of your life where you feel like, like, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I can't sense him. I feel like I can't hear his voice. What happens in the meantime? You keep it simple in the meantime. You go back to what you know to be true in the meantime. We, we see the disciples here in Acts chapter 1, and there's some brilliant principles of what happens in the meantime as they're waiting for the promise to the fulfillment of the power that was going to come from on high. We start to see some things here in the meantime as he commanded them to wait. Acts 1 verse 12, these lessons that we learn while we wait. They re- then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. A Sabbath day journey away. You, you see what I see? He told them to wait in Jerusalem. And they were on the mount called Olivet. And the first response was they returned to Jerusalem. The, the first part of what you start to see in the meantime is a heart of obedience. That the disciples decided we're not taking matters into our own hands. We're not going to, we've spent three and a half years with the master. We've learned a bunch of skills. We've learned a bunch of things about how to preach. We've, we've, we've raised the dead, healed the sick. They, they did the stuff under Jesus' realm of authority, under his realm of power. They did all that stuff. And it would have been so easy for them to say, we already graduated school. We spent three and a half years. We could, we could go and do this stuff. We, already, we have the commission. We have the authority. We could go. And yet they submitted to the command to wait. They obeyed. There was notable obedience. Character is developed while we wait. It's because they were obedient to wait that they could be trusted with the promise of the Father. They proved that they weren't going to take matters into their own hands. It goes on, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, says these all, and talking about the disciples and, and, and their friends and, and, and all of this, the, the women that were with them, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You start to see another aspect of what happens in the meantime when, when we're in between this place, when, we're, when we're, the promise is here and the fulfillment hasn't happened yet, and you're in the meantime, you start to see another thing. You see notable unity here. Notable unity with one accord. They were with the believers in one accord. The resurrected Jesus in their hearts was greater than any difference that they had. These were the same disciples that fought and bickered, by the way, about who was going to be the greatest. And you see, 
that after the resurrection, resurrection something shifted, that the resurrection power of Jesus was in them and there was notable unity. They came together. There was notable prayer. In fact, the, the ESV says they, they devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, the, the New King James says supplication. It, the, supplication, it's this sense of desperation and earnestness in prayer. They came together in unity in one accord with the believers. And there, was, there wasn't just a, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't just a one-off prayer so that we could just say that we prayed that day. They devoted themselves to earnest contending in prayer together. A desperation prayer that came out. There was notable prayer. And in this place, in this meantime, you see that they were, that not only was there obedience, not only was there unity, but there was, a, there was an aspect of contending in prayer that all of these guys had. In other words, they were actively waiting. This wasn't just a passive waiting. This wasn't just a, we'll sit and twiddle our thumbs until it comes. There were other things in the meantime. Peter rose up into a prominent leadership role among the first apostles. Somehow again, there was unity here because Peter was a firecracker. He could cause division with the best of them. And somehow... In the meantime, this unity, and Peter rose up in a prominent leadership position. They chose another apostle to fill Judas' vacant spot. They didn't have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet, but they had the guidance of God's word. And you see that right here. God's word through scripture. Peter quoted from the Psalms here in Acts 1, indicating God's desire to fill the vacant spot that the betrayer had held, Judas. God had a desire, and even though they hadn't had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and their best friend had just left, they went back to first things first. All we know is that here's God's written word. Here's, we, we might not be able to hear him audibly. We might not be having some sort of a, of a supernatural encounter. We might not have all of this stuff that we're hoping for and praying for and the stuff that we used to walk in and all this. But in this meantime, I'm coming back to keeping it simple. What's his word say? What's his word say? And you see that Peter quoted from the Psalms, and they knew that, that it would be the desire of God's heart to fill this vacant spot that Judas had left. And so they just had a heart of actively waiting. In the meantime, in the meantime, we're actively waiting. They relied on God's word, and they had an obvious desire for God's will. So in the meantime, there was a notable obedience. There was notable unity and fellowship. There was notable prayer. There was notable relying on Scripture. And there was a notable desire for God's will in the meantime. Pre-encounter. Before the promise was fulfilled. They weren't twiddling their thumbs. Do you think that we might be able to learn something here in the meantime? In the seasons where it might feel like a desert, in the seasons where it might seem like we're not hearing God's voice, you think there might be some places where we could go back to and keep it simple and say, in the meantime, I'm contending for the promise, but in the meantime, I, 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 there's a desperation in my prayer, but in the meantime, 
And so he said, wait. He commanded them to wait, and they waited, and they waited well. They waited well. Last thing, number three, the purpose. Man, there's all kinds of things that you could draw from the purpose. I bet Jesus and the Father probably held the Holy Spirit back just a little bit because he wanted them to learn the meantime stuff. I bet that was part of it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there was, uh, who, know, who knows? Who knows all the reasons why it didn't happen like right there on the Mount all of it? And we could probably come up with speculate and all this type of stuff. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, there was the command to wait. But I'll tell you what, one of the big things about waiting was they didn't have what they needed yet to accomplish the mission. After everything they learned in three and a half years with Jesus, you'd think they were ready. You'd think after three and a half years, they were ready. They had authority now. And Jesus knew that they didn't have everything they needed to accomplish the mission. I like this quote by a guy named David Guzik. He says, Jesus knew that they really could do nothing effective for the kingdom of God until the Spirit came. Authority alone wasn't enough to advance the kingdom. They also needed power. There's, there's, a, a, there's a relationship with authority and power. Uh, Bill Johnson out of Reading, he says this, It's foolish to try to accomplish everything that God assigned us to accomplish with simply power or simply authority. Some people try to go out and they try to just conquer with authority, but they, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to, uh, authority rules, but power conquers. Sometimes people try to rule with power and, and they end up becoming just a, a jerk, a, a tyrant, a dictator. Power is designed to conquer and authority is designed to rule. And Jesus knew they needed both. They needed to have authority and they needed to have power. Some people believe, and, and, I, and I'm not knocking anybody, but some people believe that at salvation, everything that we need happens. That at the moment of salvation, that we have the, all the stuff, all the power, all the, everything happens at salvation. I'll tell you what, a lot happens at salvation. I'm thankful for salvation. That's a good deal. Amen? Salvation is great. And there's a great level of authority that happens at salvation. I think there's even a measure of power that happens at salvation. But there is obviously something more that God wanted. Obvi and in my mind, obvious. Because Jesus commanded his own disciples to wait. I would, this is just my simple mind. I think the disciples were saved at this point. I think they were. They weren't waiting on salvation. They were waiting on power. And if Jesus knew that his own disciples needed to wait for power, I would just, in my simple mind, think so do we. So do we. You see it in the book of Acts in multiple places where uh, they, they, would, they would come into a place and people had already received the baptism of water for repentance. And, and, and they say, well, do you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And they, what did they say? I didn't know there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And 
it, it, it's, it's kind of awkward sometimes to preach things like this because we have all kinds of different backgrounds. And I have friends that preach at, at different churches and pastor different churches. And, and, uh, and this in no way is a dishonoring message. There's a, there's sometimes uh, people from different um, tribes and different flavors of the kingdom of God, they'll, they'll think that, that those that, you know, like us, we call ourselves like a Pentecostal charismatic church or whatever, and, and oh, you just think you've got like the corner market on something, right? They'll, they'll say something like that, or, or just, just coming across feeling like we come at it from this place of like we have something that you don't have. And it's really not that hard at all. Uh, we're, this, this doesn't make anybody better than anybody. I mean, it really isn't that. It's just that, you know what, this isn't a Pentecostal charismatic thing. It's a body of Christ thing. They didn't have de- denominations back here when, 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 in the early church. This was one church. This wasn't a denominational thing. Pentecostal charismatic churches and people uh, have made, have in some ways made it famous, maybe infamous, (laughs) in some ways given it a bad name, you know. We're the weirdos, right? I'm I'm, I'm not declaring that, but but it's true. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit isn't weird. We just make it weird sometimes. And so, so this, isn't, this isn't to like shoot it at somebody and make them feel like, 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 oh, you guys just have something better than us, and so you're up here and we're down. That, that is not the heart at all. It's just the fact that you, can, you can't effectively accomplish the assignment that God's called you to accomplish in this life outside of power. And the only thing I know in Scripture, in my simple mind, is that Jesus said to wait. They waited. And in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about what happened because the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they received power. You, you think of a, of a different way to make it happen, let me know. This isn't a Pentecostal thing or a charismatic thing. It's just a Bible thing. And I would love it if all believers were able to access that level of power, because I think you need it for your personal life. I want to show you here in just a second. I think you need it for your personal life, but I think you need it to expand the kingdom. And I'd go so far as saying, I know. I know. And I know you guys don't like it when I get all dogmatic, but there you go. There you go. Hmm. I don't even know where I'm at now. That's all right. Authority rules and power conquers. The Holy Spirit's power helps me take and conquer spiritual ground. So, Is there anything in your life that you need to conquer? Is there any mindset? Is there any sin issue? Is there are there things that that in whether it be just in your in your own self or in your sphere that need to be conquered? You need power. And you can't conquer outside of power. Power conquers, but then authority rules. You have to have authority to be able to rule that which you've conquered. And so when I conquer an area in my life, I need to now be able to govern that. When you conquer something and you you expand your spiritual real estate, you expand it with power and you rule it with authority. Man. You need power. Matthew 11, verse 12. 
It says, for from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent take it by force. And uh, I debated putting this verse in here, but the, the, here's the reason why. It's because this isn't just a passive conquering. This, this isn't just, just you know, a, a little sweet prayer you say before you go to sleep. This, this, is, this is a forceful expand. When you think of expanding the kingdom, you think of advancing the kingdom of God. This is, this is forceful. This is militant. You're, you are expanding the kingdom and advancing it by force. And so you do that by power, and then you rule that spiritual real estate that you've gained by authority. There's an aspect of advancing the kingdom that is violent, like a hostile takeover. You absolutely need power to advance the kingdom. And God designed it to come by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I want to I close with this. Here's the big picture. Because so far it's really kind of about us, right? It's really about me being baptized in the Spirit and me being empowered to live this, this Christian life and, and to take this thing on and to go for glory. But here's the big picture. Here's, here's the whole thing. Thing. And, and I think this was the biggest part of why Jesus wanted them to wait. And here it is. Acts 1, verse 8, just a few verses later, he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You need power to conquer your stuff, but that's just the starting place. You need power to advance the kingdom of God in your sphere of influence. Uh, you'll, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Evangelism can't be disconnected from power. I mean, there's some great evangelistic movements out there and programs, and there's people getting saved all over the world. My concern is 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 evangelism without power. Listen to this. The Great Commission, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, is reduced to an intellectual transaction. It was designed to operate with power and authority in order to advance the kingdom of God. Man, I want to advance the kingdom of God. I want to evangelize the world. I want more people to come to know him. But if I'm just trying to convince them something with logic and reason, it's not going to last. If, if someone can convince you with logic and reason that Jesus is the way to go, someone else can come, come along and convince you with logic and reason that he's not. That's why Paul says, I don't come with wise and persuasive words, but what? With a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And so I want a people that will rise up and to go in their spheres of influence with power and authority, advance the kingdom, evangelize with power, because that's the way it lasts. That's the way it lasts. I'm going to come back to just our main thought here as I, as I wrap up. Here it is. God's assignment for my life will never be fully completed if I'm not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's stand together. Pastor Kelly, if you want to come.
So you get to wait because we got two weeks. <laughs> Next week, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, have a standalone message catered towards um, our military outreach, service members outreach, and, um, and it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be just a great Sunday. So you're going to practice this wait for power, right? Two weeks, we're going to continue the series, and we're going to talk about Acts 2 and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and Pentecost and all that means and all that stuff. I'm, I'm excited for it, and i got to wait. Ah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Would you do something for me? Would you practice this act of waiting? Would you realize in your heart that you can't do this life without power? I mean, you really can't. Would you just give up right now? Been trying it in your own strength, maybe? I'll tell you what, man. There's a, I'm looking out across this room, and there's a bunch of talented individuals. There's a bunch of good-looking people. With all kinds of stuff going on. Ramsel smiling. He's like, yep, yep, it's me. I'll tell you what. You just can't do it in your own strength, no matter how gifted you are. And this isn't a condemnation thing. It's just an invitation to be able to give up, to be able to let go, and to allow Holy Spirit to empower you, to take land, to conquer kingdoms. And so Holy Spirit, come right now. You don't even need my hands to be laid on you unless you like it today. Right now, maybe just put your hands out in front of you if you're willing. Holy Spirit, come. Could you say that with your own words? Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Maybe there's been seasons where you've just tried it in your own strength, and could you just tell them you're sorry about that? Just say, Holy Spirit, come. I just want to be empowered. I just want to live this life through you. conquer kingdoms it starts with the kingdom of my mind the kingdom of my home Lord right now over this house I just come into agreement with a greater level of authority that comes to the relationship in this room right now Lord that you would raise up an army that you'd raise up a body of Christ that, that walks in real deal authority Lord right now over this room I come into agreement with an outpouring of your spirit for power that we could be men and women of God that go into our spheres of influence and actually take back land that belongs to us that belongs to you Lord with some in this room would you do that with the with the evidence of speaking in tongues Lord that there would be such a dramatic encounter that there would be a heavenly prayer language. Lord, even today there may even be one person in here and you've been waiting for that. You've been asking, Lord, would you give me tongues? And I, uh, It just seems weird and I don't know what to do with it. And Lord, would you just I want it. If it's you, I want it. And if that's your heart, would you just, just, just ask him for it right now? couple weeks we're going to go for it we're just going to take the doors off the hinges and we're just going to go for it in a couple weeks we're going to go after the baptism of the holy spirit but gosh (laughs) contrary to my message you don't have to wait for it (laughs) holy spirit come
Holy Spirit, come. I'm going to have Pastor Kelly lead us in, in a song. And in this atmosphere of worship, would you just, just ask him to come and ask him to come close. And If you need something more beyond what you just got, if you need breakthrough in an area, if you need someone to pray with you, just, just come up here. And I know there's some people that are just con- contending for healing. And